this year is your year, even if you also said that in 2022. And however you want to make a splash, Mother Nature can help you every step of the way with wool runner missiles from Allbirds. Wool runner missiles are shoes made from premium supernatural weather repellent materials, so you can jump into this year with both feet, rain or shine. The high-top runners are made from temperature-regulating, moisture-wicking merino wool, treated with durable puddle guard technology to keep you dry and comfy. And you can take confident strides with supernatural rubber treads that grip for all condition traction and sugarcane-based sweet foam midsoles that put a little bounce in each step. Allbirds is constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their earth-friendly materials. So even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, make a splash without worrying about getting your feet wet with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Please stand clear of the doors. Hey, this is Timmy, and you're listening to the Diz His Podcast. Enjoy yourself. Get ready for some magic because these guys lay it on. You'll walk away. You won't even be able to walk away. You'll be able to fly because the pixie dust they're going to cover you with. Just think happy thoughts and you're off. This is Diz His Podcast, and this is Timmy. Welcome to episode 111 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. I'm Jen. Today we will be giving the his on Main Street USA at the Magic Kingdom. And today we have some special guests with us, which I'm super, super excited to go ahead and introduce. We have Timmy and we have Catherine. So uh, how are you guys doing today? Oh, wonderful. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> you mentioned Catherine. Catherine is the writer of my book. And I'm just telling you, this girl's so smart. She's only been to Disney World like once, I think. Oh, maybe. my gosh. I know. Wow. But, uh, been more like three times, but not <laughs> only uh, one big trip. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy to be here. I can't wait to get started. So how do you do this? What? How can we get started in so, talking about so tell, it? So tell us a little bit about yourself, Timmy. What's your uh, relationship with Disney? Tell us a little bit about your book, because I can't uh, wait to go ahead and get your book and read your book. Uh, so go and tell me about sweet. it. Sweet. Stop <laughs> it. Look at you. That's so sweet. <laughs> So I was a five-year-old boy in Philadelphia, and my parents, for a surprise, took me to Walt Disney World for my birthday. Nice. But it was on October 25th, the day that it opened. Wow. The day that Roy dedicated the park to his brother, Walt. Wow. So I'm five years old. I get out of the car, and I'm like, well, where are we? But all I see are light poles, just giant light poles everywhere, because we were in the parking lot, of course. <laughs> and I was asleep for all the entrance part where we paid. It wasn't until we got in the parking lot that they woke me up. Well, those poles just kind of stayed with me. When you're little, you're real impressionable. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. Where are them? And they told me, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I was thinking about the movies that I saw, you know, like Peter Pan and stuff at the movies. And of course, I knew Mickey Mouse. But as a five-year-old kid, I really didn't know much more than that. I just knew I couldn't wait to get home and tell my best friend. Well, that ended up changing my whole life because I walk in Main Street and I was just so blown away the sounds, the smells, the architecture, the happiness, the joy, the music, the fanfare, everything was colors. So as a little kid on your birthday, balloons everywhere, bands everywhere. It wasn't until everybody stopped talking that this little old man, I see this little man, I don't know who he is, I'm a little kid, but then I saw who was with him. 
you know, when Mickey Mouse follows a, an old man up the steps. <laughs> so there I see Mickey Mouse. Now, way in the distance, you can see the castle. But they didn't let people in until we got to the place where, you know, you couldn't go any further, mm -hmm. where the pedestal was for him to talk. So there was a lot of, it was really different that day. Now, I believe they had a soft opening on October 1st where they let people in, but they didn't have a name for it. It was the Magic Kingdom, but it wasn't Walt Disney World yet until the 21st, 25th. And so to be there that day was really kind of special. So Catherine takes the book from before that to Walt's last time in Disneyland making a wish, which was my birthday five years earlier. And the story takes where his wish meets me, you know, and I'm just a kid in Philly. <laughs> but I went on to become a, a celebrated animation artist in Walt Disney World later on. I became assessed as an artist on my birthday. They knew this story, so they followed through with it, kept it going. It also happened to be the year of a million dreams. So it was just amazing for not just me, but all the cast members together and everybody. It was the year that we had that family come in. You know, we all hid in the Magic Kingdom and they came in, in like in the dark in the morning. And then we all jumped out, be our guest from Main Street. I'm talking 2,000 guest members that oh volunteered gosh. to do this for this family. So <laughs> that it, and then we all played our roles so that they could go on every single ride to whatever they wanted. Oh, wow. It was really a great, a great, a great memory. But becoming an animation artist at Walt Disney World was like this amazing dream. Like you don't think, you know, I did lots of murals. Don't get me wrong, eight years of art school, four years of engineering school, highly qualified, but that one opportunity. How, how do you do it? I'm, I'm 38 years old. I have a wife and two kids and two dogs. This isn't going to happen, right? Well, it's life's funny. You know, if you don't give up on your dreams and you just stay with them, somehow the right people seem to meet up with you along the way and open up this door or hand you that ham and cheese sandwich or, or give you $5 for gas. But somewhere along the way, it worked out. And then when I had my chance, I just had the courage to grab it. So I got a chance to be an animation artist in Walt Disney World and work with the greats and work on all the feature with the feature animation artists. We'd have meetings about different things, uh, but mostly it was about the guests. It was about getting the guests fall in love with these wonderful characters. So whatever you could do to in your class to get the people to fall in love with that, because first of all, there's 50 people in your class and you know, we're going to draw eight or 10 different characters so that you can span the little kids to like the older people. Like you can't just jump right into Tinkerbell. There's a five-year-old that's going to get lost in that mm -hmm. drawing class. If I have 10, 15 characters, there's still 50 people. Someone's going to say Ursula. Someone's going to say Cogsworth. Someone's going to say Peter Pan, Tinkerbell. So I thought of this great idea. I thought if we had a wheel with all the characters that we can teach them and just whoever's birthday it is in the class, let them spin it. And that, but, in, you know, then they're like, yeah, sure, sure. But I'm telling you, it saves a lot of tears because the wheel decides it's not up to me or the ultimately then it all becomes down to me. So now I have to choose. So I went ahead and whose birthday it is and I put it on that person just to look. It was either a grandmom or whoever, but it was someone's birthday that I got to choose. So that's how I solved that problem. But then getting to teach the characters for all the guests was so amazing. <laughs> that was amazing, you know? And then yeah. life throws me a couple, a couple curveballs and I lose everything. You know, you have to read the book for that part. It's amazing. It's called <laughs> Into the Fire. But I lost it all. Um, I, I, did, I, did, I was just doing my job, but other things around me in my life were going directions that caused it all to fall apart. So I went back home and I'm like, wow, that, did that really even happen? Did I really win the Spirit of Disney Award, do all those fun things? I was in the Main Street Diary five times. If you don't know what that is, were any of you guys ever cast members? No. No? Okay, so you, if you're a manager in Walt Disney World, you share paperwork with other managers that the regular cast members, they just don't ever get to see it. It's not for them. It's not They're not supposed to see it. It's just manager talking to manager. But when you do something in Disney World that's really amazing, the managers get to write to each other about it. 
And so finally, one of the assistant managers broke down and gave me a stack of them and said, we've been talking about you for a long time. Oh, wow. So that's a really <laughs> cool thing. Since we wanted to talk about Main Street, I wanted to tell you about the Main Street Diary. It's just a cool little thing that people don't know about, but managers speak to each other about other cast members and things. And you're never supposed to get it. And here I am in entertainment, basically, you know, teaching classes and stuff, but I'm not a manager. I'm just an artist, really. Mm-hmm. I hate saying that, just an artist, because it's been great to be an artist, by the way. Just mm-hmm. an artist doesn't do it. But anyway, so... So finally, I started winning all these awards and all this stuff. I hate Catherine. I, you know, I don't like talking about that stuff, but having all these awards and stuff, it really became real special to me because to be there as a five-year-old boy, then to go in animation, win all these awards for being on stage and, and giving classes and teaching people how to get closer to Mickey or Donald or, you know, Minnie was really amazing. But life isn't just all bunny rabbits and Buzz Lightyear. Nope, life has some curves to it. So when it was my turn for the curves to come at me, uh, I did what I could. I got through it. Barely, you know, I prayed a lot and stuff. But, and why I say all this is because then, <laughs> then my kids were a little older and they said, daddy, could you get Walt Disney World back for us again? Aww. And I'm up in Philadelphia now for four years, away from all the magic, missing it terribly. Life is horrid. But uh, I said, well, I guess I could, right? Except I got there and my job was gone. It was in California somewhere. And so now I'm down in Florida without my dog, without my kids, without anything I love trying to make my way. But the plan was to become an Imagineer. Now this is an impossible story. So I decide, well, I'm going to just do it anyway. What I'm going to do is I'm I'm just going to get a job and I want it to be full-time so that I can transfer in six months. Like there was kind of a plan involved, but I got fired from that job. I was a busboy at Animal Kingdom Lodge and I was so overqualified. I don't know what to do with myself because the job was really simple. And God bless her. There's a woman who might have three kids living in a hotel somewhere that could use that job. Mm-hmm. And here I am with all these other qualities doing that job. It wasn't right. So the, the magic was too much, I think. And they did the right thing. And they said, no, no, no. You need to be in Imagineering if that's where you're going. Let's get you on that way, even if it takes you to Universal first. And truer words were never spoken because I ended up going to Universal and getting into this other medium that I had inside me that I never even thought of, which was scenic art and murals and stuff like that. So I climbed and I worked so hard. And I did all of Diagon Alley, everything in Universal Studios. And then they found out about it over at Disney. And they said, well, you want to come over and do this little project we're doing in Norway? And I'm like, well, sure. What is it? I get there. And I got to work on Frozen. And so now my career getting fired as a busboy at the at the at, at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, the five-star restaurant. I mean, I had all the right stuff and everything, but it was a lot of walking and very little talking. And honestly, I'd rather not walk and do more talking. So it didn't work for me. That's the best I'm gonna say. Disney did the right thing and they saw the future for me and they just knew it wasn't there. And I only took it because it was the only full-time spot. Really, there was no other full-time jobs in Walt Disney World. 85,000 jobs, they had one full-time spot. And at the 89th day before the 90th day when they could give it to me, uh, I thought everything was great. I'm like, oh, I'm fired. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but it was a full rehire status. In six months, I could go back. It wasn't about a disciplinary thing. It was just, I wasn't quite fit for that. Here I am. I control any character. I could do amazing things. And I'm just carrying empty trays with diapers and plates and stuff. You know, the stuff that guests really. You, if, you really should tell that story about well, what the, fi- the final straw was. It. There was a little girl named Blossom and she was so cute. And what, what oh. happened? There was, I'm in the Animal Kingdom Lodge and, and I'm just pushing my cart with all my dirty dishes, keeping my mouth shut. And then I'm so sorry, but there was this little girl, Blossom. She was from England. She had that little accent and she was crying so bad. And I just felt like, you know, you got to go above and beyond. If you haven't been cast members, you haven't been through traditions. But when you go through traditions, you really get the feeling for what Disney's trying to do, what the whole point is. And so no matter what your role, you you are empowered with that name tag to go above and beyond sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
So this little girl's crying so bad. And her poor mom is exhausted. It's just the two of them. Little girl's dressed like Minnie Mouse, head to toe. I mean, bow on sideways, just tears down her face, dress all wrinkled, carrying a straggly Minnie Mouse doll, plush doll. It was like life was over. And I couldn't, you know, of course, I didn't, I'm a stranger, really, but I'm a cast member. So I get down on my knees and I ask, I'm like, oh, honey, there's no crying here in Walt Disney World. What could possibly be so awful? And in through sobs and her accent, I really, I got blah, 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 daddy, blah, 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 Minnie Mouse, blah, blah, blah. I didn't really get it, but, you know, I'm shaking my head like I do because when you're five or six, I, you know, I was five or six, we're all five or six. You know, you just, sometimes you just need attention. And and as a cast member, you learn this. You learn what it is to interact with, with society, with people. So, and you're in a safe place. I'm not some stranger on the street. I'm, I got all the accoutrement. I have my, my cart with my bucket and all my dirty dishes. Yeah. <laughs> so I was official. But I couldn't help myself. I took a piece of paper that we keep the rooms that we do that is not for the guests to see, but they're blank on the other side. And I did, and my heart went out. Her mom tells me that her and her father love Minnie Mouse. Dad gets a trip for Christmas before Christmas, dad dies. So now her dad promised her she's going to see Minnie Mouse. And this little girl for three days in a row has waited in lines and chased Minnie Mouse through the parks and still hasn't met her. Like, and today was the worst, like, because they got close, but then Minnie has to go, you know, she's still, there's only one Minnie Mouse and she's got four parks. So she has to be divided equally and she, little Blossom keeps missing her. So I, you know, this is after I've already left Walt Disney World and had all the awards and did all, so I know how to call the managers at Chef Mickey. So I asked her mom very politely, will Blossom be, will you be going to Chef Mickey? Because I know Minnie Mouse is there for sure. She said, actually, that's where we're going tomorrow. I'm like, well, this problem's going to take care of itself, but. I'm going to call ahead anyway. Now, Blossom's so tired and she isn't, she just hears Minnie Mouse and all that stuff. I took one of those pieces of paper, flipped it over where it was blank and sketched out in like 30 seconds, the cutest little Minnie Mouse. And I said, I'm going to sign this because this is your magic ticket. Making it for the girl really special. No, not any other cast member, but just this one little girl, Blossom. Well, she loved it. She scooped it up. You know, she, now she had a drawing of Mickey Mouse. I'm just a busboy. But the truth is I have a license to draw the characters that I signed when I did it. And as long as I don't do them in any bad way, uh, I, I'll never lose that license. You know, as long as you just show Mickey doing what Mickey's supposed to do or nothing else. And you promote the characters in the same spirit that Walt would want them. I mean, I won the Spirit of Disney Award three times. I'm not going to mess around with characters. Mm -hmm. I believe in the, mm -hmm. in the spirit of the characters. So my Minnie Mouse was accurate and really good and signed really well. I'm really super proud of it. She goes and gets Minnie Mouse to sign it the next day because I did what I said I was going to do. I called Chef Mickey's, talked to the manager, said, listen, there's a little girl. Here's a story. Her dad couldn't make it, but the trip went on anyway, and they have a little extra money. They're staying at the, you know, the Animal Kingdom Lodge with the giraffes walking by. But this little girl, all that matters to her is Minnie Mouse, and if you could. The next night, here's Blossom coming down, and this time she's not tired. Well, she's tired, but she's not crying. She's so happy. She's scrambling down the hallway. Her poor mom couldn't even keep up. Her mom's carrying all the stuff. There goes Minnie Mouse. There goes the ears. She's just running towards me, holding that little drawing that Minnie Mouse then signed for her. <laughs> what a great thing. And then she told me all about about the, they, you know, they do a great job over at Chef Mickey's. Like they, the characters are just like, I'll, you'll never hear me say anything but glowing things about the characters. Their performance, their, their, the way they just handle everything is just, just the best in this planet, you know? The best in the world that is, is, is the entertainment. It's just amazing. So, so of course, Minnie does the line dances with her. They're shaking their napkins around and Chef Mickey's. And this little girl is just so happy. Like, you know, like, so I can feel that. So now we get to the part where I get fired. <laughs> so that's what I did. The next day, of course, they go out to check out. They're done now. And so they go to the concierge and they, you know, they check out. 
And he says, well, how was your trip? And they say, oh, my God, your busboy up there did this and this and this and this and that. Shows him the drawing. The concierge flips it over, calls my manager and says, I didn't know that we had concierges are usually the ones that give out the magic and do things like that. And they should, rightfully so, especially in a five-star hotel. You don't get busboys to do this for people. But they didn't know who I was. And so they found out really fast. And I got what I had coming to me was, listen, this is not the conduct. Before we go one more day and make this a full-time thing, we think maybe you might want to find something else. It's the first and only time in my life I've ever been fired. And I would do it all again tomorrow if you asked me to. Brother, Brother Blossom. She was awesome. But that's my story about my start back to Walt Disney World. To go from that to this Imagineering helmet that you see right here with my name on it, Mickey Mouse, is quite a story. That, that's why when Catherine wrote a letter for me, she came to one of my classes and then she came to another one and then another one. She's like, this is so much fun. And I'm like, I know, right? So she goes home and writes this letter. And then Disney, it goes all the way up the chain to Aaron Walls, who's the you know vice president of Walt Disney World Operations. So she calls me in her office and says, Mr. Britt, I don't know what you're doing, but I wish we could bottle it and give it out to the other cast members. Just keep it up. you know. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, well, this is this is the Spirit of Disney Award for you for exemplifying what Walt would expect from his cast members. And we're so proud of you. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I get that. I, I never get, knew. She didn't know. Right. So she writes a letter. That. I got the second. So I get now I got two Spirit of Disney Awards. By the time I got the third one, Aaron Wallace and I were just like, I'm like, I'm just going to put this in my pocket and keep it right here. Hey, we haven't talked about Main Street at all. I know. I've, <laughs> That's all right. Hey, I've listen, we're having a great time listening to your stories. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and they're all well, in the book, too. Yeah, well, not all of them. That's the whole thing. I wanted to talk about things that maybe weren't in the book oh, with okay. you guys. There's a lot of stuff on Main Street that's not in the book. And if that's what you wanted to talk about tonight, I miss Main Street. Like, I love to talk about it. Yeah. But but we could. I have other. I could tell you other things if you want. Oh, I, mean, yeah, I did you... it all there. I did it all. I had a chance to do everything from on stage with the guests to backstage with the Imagineers and where it goes from Diagon Alley to Frozen to the Polynesian to Pandora to training a team to build Hagrid's Motorbike Adventure to then sending that team over to do the finishing touches on Star Wars. Volcano Bay, Fast and Furious, King Kong, Popeye. Agabas, so you're like working all over the place. That's awesome. Yeah. With the gratitude, though, the thing is, I got to tell you that that everybody that I worked with, like one thing I learned about uh, from watching the Disney movies is that if you look at the end, there's credits that run. There's an ocean of names. No one person could do anything. Mm -hmm. Two people can do a lot and a hundred people, people can, can build Pat Pandora. So, so that's what it is. It's, it's never about me. This is not about me, man. I just had the courage to just go for it. <laughs> I'm stupidity, stupidity to, to go for it really. But for my sake, sometimes if you don't take chances, you're not going to get anywhere mm -hmm. and very few chances that you take, you're going to win, but sometimes you are going to win. And when you do, now I sit and draw cartoons all day with, with crayons, guys, and listen to stupid music. And I'm just like the happiest dreamer there ever was. Like, my life is amazing now because I worked so hard and took those chances. But that's all I did. Everybody else helped me. My teammates helped me. The other Imagineers, oh my God, the most amazing people in the world. People just took a shine to me and they would teach me this or teach me that. I just had the wherewithal to retain everything I learned so that I could then go ahead and teach new the younger artists that are coming up so that magic keeps on going and stays fresh mm -hmm. and it's the right level of quality go ahead i i gotta i gotta jump in here this is this all ties back into main street because main street was based on walt's um it, the world he grew up in and it's a it's an earlier time a quieter time and and it it evolves too but it it takes us back to a history part of our history that and, and that does stay the same and well that's that's true okay so so Main Street has changed like this color or that color, but for the most part, right. 
Main Street's been pretty stable the same. I've been there mm-hmm. when it was open and I'm there now. And I'm telling you, the architecture, it's all pretty, the firehouse, that is there the same. What changes out in the lands? Well, that's what happens with imagination. It grows. Like you go from Steamboat Willie to Fantasia Mickey Mouse. Like look at the evolution of Mickey Mouse himself. So if you don't want changes, you got to, you know, if something stays the same forever, it means different things to different people. And then by the time the people who it was meant for in the beginning are older, the new people, they don't have the movie for it or they can't get a hold of the soundtrack for it. So it's just this thing that was always there. They never understood it. Whereas if you make it a little bit more involved about them, oh, well, now there's a new interest in the same old spot. Like this was a corner in Walt Disney World and we did this, this, and this there. Now we got something going on over here and nobody pays attention to that corner. Mm-hmm. No, bring something new to the corner. Yeah. Bring more life to it. You know, movies are changing all the time. Yep. There's great things happening. It has to be a living thing, Disney. It can never stay a stagnant one thing. And that was Walt. That was always Walt's idea was to, yeah. always to have it. You know, this I remember, isn't my ideas. Yeah, right. yeah this, this, there was a story about Walt when he was kind of walking around the parks and he heard uh, a kid say, Hey, I, I, uh, the mom was like, Hey, let's go on jungle cruise. And he was like, well, I already went on jungle cruise. I don't want to go on jungle cruise again. When Walt heard that, he that made him kind of think, hey, this kid is going to he wants to make everyone kind of ride the rides more than once to give him a new experience. So how do you do that? So how did Walt solve that problem? Do you know? Then he I think he put the um, the cast members on the boat. Exactly. And they had a spiel. And, and, And even though the spiel was supposed to stay pretty rigid to Disney standards, you could inflect and no change doubt about it, it in yeah. ways. And in that little wiggle room that they gave the cast members, they became people and they became entertainers and they yep. turned into one of the best rides in Walt Disney World. <laughs> You're right. And now that little kid, it might be the first thing he goes to every time. Yeah, exactly. so it's a great lead in show to a great part of that, a great philosophy. Yeah. Like Catherine was saying, Main Street hasn't really changed much. Little ways. I've seen it. We've all mm-hmm. seen it, but not much mm-hmm. so that the lands can develop and grow. Mm-hmm. But you always need that place when you enter and when you leave. That reminds you of home. Yep. So you'll notice everything has like an Art Deco yeah. 1930s, 1940s, 1950s yep. kind of feel to it. When we were a safe country, like imagine Walt's right. time now. The World War II just ended and people are rejoicing. And he remembers the little Main Street in Missouri where, you know, he saw his mom and dad kiss for the first time or whatever, because there was such jubilation about, you know, the, the America being free and us winning World War II. Like it was amazing. So production's coming back. The men are coming back. So there's a happier place in time. And I think he tried to capture that one part. That's why he called it Main Street USA. It's just that one little small street anywhere in this country Mm -hmm. that could be locked in, frozen in time. And then he let everything else grow and change and evolve. Mm -hmm. Because I I explained it to someone else that if a little kid is lost from his parents, which is very easy to to do, excuse my voice, in Disney World, you know, there's thousands of people. And you have a five-year-old, a six-year-old, and an eight-year-old. You're going to lose one of them at yeah. one point because they all want to run a touch. Yeah. So <laughs> we've lost. We've lost one. He's still right. talking there's, about that. There's no shame in it, but if they need somewhere to go or they start crying, well, we don't want to see. That's bad show. We don't. Nobody should be crying in Walt Disney World yeah. unless it's tears of joy. So the kid won't go to somebody that's got piercings and tattoos all over them and their hair cut real funny. It's a little six-year-old little girl. She's not going to run into the arms of some guy that you know wants to express himself in that way because it's a little scary to her so walt always felt that the cast members looked a little bit more approachable approachable and kept that standard that that lost little kid would always feel safe to go over to that cast member so if i have short hair no tattoos no piercings Mm -hmm. 
he might feel a little more comfortable coming to me. So there was a time in America when people had a look that Walt wanted to capture. So he captured a little street called Main Street, USA, and a style of, of cast members that, that, that all resemble the same thing. So as, as Maelstrom turns to Frozen, as Wishes is gone, like we've lost a lot of things. The one thing that stays the same is the look and the feel yep. of cast members and Main Street. And so I just wanted to bring that out about Main Street as much as the color here may change. The architecture, the names, they're all pretty the same for that one reason that as it grows, as you go in as a five-year-old boy, a 20-year-old man, a 30-year-old man, a 50-year-old grandfather, that one part will always be yours. Mm -hmm, and then yeah. your kids will have that too. So no matter what happens in Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and, you know, Main Street, the entrance for you, your kids, their kids, their kids, their kids, will always remain that peaceful, welcoming, happy, abundance, you know, uh, sensory abundant place. Yep. And it's really neat because something that um, the things that's really neat about Main Street is the fact that it is, while it remains a constant, you know, and, and physically there's not a whole heck of a lot of change that goes on, you know, throughout our lives. The things that we notice and identify are the things that, um, you know, maybe five-year-old Jen didn't see, but 30-year-old Jen now exactly. realizes. Exactly. That's and, what I, Yes. And, and so it's kind of neat. And, and Alex really identifies all of that in his history. And um, so it's kind of cool. I don't know, Alex, if you want to segue into that. Yep. This is a great time. If, I was going to go ahead and do yeah, that. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's plenty of things in there, Timmy, that you'll be able to uh, embellish on and give oh, us yeah. all the scoop that, you know, we're dying to know. Yeah. Well, I think, can I, can I just say something? I, I'm not some Disney aficionado, really. I have great perspectives and very unique perspectives, but the three of you and anyone else listen might know more about Walt Disney World than me. So I get something out of these podcasts too. It's not just me telling you how it is. It's, I don't know. I'm just a guy. I'm just a person. Like that's what the book's extraordinary, everyday magic. You know, there's nothing better than smelling that Disney smell. If it's walking into your favorite Disney resort or entering your favorite Disney attraction. Three Cheeky Chicks Wax Company offers an array of Disney-inspired scents in their home fragrance line. Wax melts, scented candles, and room sprays. To bring your favorite Disney scents to your home, check them out at MagicallyScented.com. Do you need to go on a trip? Do you hate the hassle of organizing a vacation? Well, say Hakuna Matata and call Matthew over at Travel by Chewy. He is an expert who can arrange itineraries from a relaxing Hawaiian getaway to an exciting theme park adventure. The best part is his services are free. Call him at 507-261-9773. That was 507-261-9773. And just let him know Diz has sent you. Let's get to the his on Main Street, USA at the Magic Kingdom. Main Street, USA is the first themed land inside of all the Disneyland-style parks that guests walk through, which leads up to the castle. Main Street, USA originated with the first Disney park, Disneyland, and was designed to replicate a classic small town. With shops lining the roads, this street has become synonymous with Disney and the ideal freeze frame of a classic early 1900s small town. Main Street is now located inside six parks, though it has different names outside of the U.S. Disneyland, Magic Kingdom, Disneyland Paris, and Hong Kong Disneyland 
have the classic Main Street USA title, while Tokyo Disneyland calls theirs World Bazaar, and Shanghai Disneyland named theirs Mickey Avenue. And before we started doing the history on this show, I went to Alex. I was like, okay, let's go ahead and do Main Street USA. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't think there's going to be enough. <laughs> of course, because I just walked through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You just walked right through it. But we just, we're just pretty much doing the history on Main Street Imagine Kingdom. So pretty much yes. we can pretty much do a history on each yeah. one of those individual I like, ones. <laughs> I, I, I texted him like halfway through the history. And I was like, oh, we can't do magic. We can't do Main Street on every, every uh, park. We have to do just Magic Kingdom. There's too yeah, much. Yeah, no, it's like I told you, man. I knew because I knew this is like a thing. Oh. People can spend the whole day just at Main Street. You know, they have a post office. They they have a mailbox on Main Street that really works. Like if you put mail in it, it will be picked up by a post office, by a postman and delivered. I, I, think, I, I, think, I think I've heard about that's that a, before. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's neat just little, little fact, grab a postcard, you know? you know? When you go through traditions, they have to actually tell you that so you can direct a guest if they have that question. So you have to learn some things, but some things just stay with you. And knowing that, you know, I don't know any other amusement park where you can drop off your mail but at the magic kingdom you can that's really cool it's magical they kind of thought of everything it's magical (laughs) it's magical so alex you didn't think we'd have enough for the magic for main street and yeah we've been talking a good hour straight now and we haven't even really scratched the surface yeah yeah you're correct about that yeah so is it true that you've just walked through and then since then you've come back and learned some of the history alex or are you still waiting for the history part well, we're, I always walk through and then now I'm waiting. Now that I'm learning the history, now next time I go, I'm definitely going to stop and look around. Yeah. I'm kind of the guy who doesn't, day there. I'm the guy who doesn't look at the small things. I just go to, I have a time, I go, oh, I'm here for the day. Let me get as many stuff yeah, in as I can. It's so sad. And that's one of the saddest <laughs> things about Walt Disney World. I hate to say it is that eventually, you know, you have to leave. Yeah, exactly. Unless you become like the crazy person like me and you want to work there and do this and build that. Otherwise, if you're just a normal human being, there's going to come a time when your vacation's over. So Monday, you have to get this accomplished. And by Tuesday, you have to accomplish that. You know, you have a plan. Mm-hmm. So I could see, Alex, unfortunately, the way life is, most people are like you. They they have to get to this show or that show or this time. And granny needs this and sister needs that. And Annie needs this. And all of a sudden, you don't even realize you went, you're home again. I know it's so sad. Yeah. So now that you are part of this, I am personally going to challenge you to just spend 15 minutes looking up that's it not a whole day not a whole year not a, any just just 15 minutes just go and look and and ask questions and write things down mm-hmm. and yeah. then go do the research on it you watch sure. you learn you're gonna love main street <laughs> yeah yeah um jen anything to add no i'm just I, like tinkerbell so lands many... on the roofs like you don't know the roofs like people see tinkerbell fly but then she has to land somewhere you know Right. So only a cast member gets to see that part where Tinkerbell lands. It's so magical watching her land because she's so <laughs> nice to everybody around her. Like there's that. You just see her fly by. But if you're a cast member and a very good one, I might add, she'll land. And when she does, I'm telling you that wand has magic in it. Like, how do you think I became an Imagineer? I Tinkerbell <laughs> said, okay. Does uh, Tinkerbell come out when you for, originally like uh, officially become Imagineer and give you like a little wand twirl? Well, it's not Tinkerbell. No. <laughs> Actually, the Imagineers... There's two parts of Disney World. There's the, what's on stage, and then there's what's backstage. So to do both, you know, you're crossing my lines now because now in the Imagineers, everything's done real professional and real straight-laced and all. Whereas on stage, there's a lot more theatrics to it. So, mm, yeah. But don't get me wrong. The Imagineers know how to party and know how to do things backstage <laughs> too. It's just that nobody else knows what they're talking about. You know what I mean? They're really smart people, and their imaginations are so crazy that when they start talking about something, regular people, like people that are plumbers and electricians and stuff 
they have a hard time sometimes following what they're saying because we're talking about things that aren't there that that are just in our heads that we were talking about last week but we remembered like it's really gets kind of deep so imagination imagine imagine walt going into the first couple animators that he had on his team and saying i want to build a park you know and they're like what are you talking about yeah i want to build a place where families can come and the parents and the kids can ride together and they're like, well, we're not even done drawing like these things for Fantasia or whatever. You know, they're still sketching. And he's already on the next thing. It wasn't until Roy slowed him down and said, listen, man, it's going to take a lot of money. He said, good, let's just do it anyway. Like that was Walt. He didn't <laughs> care, man. He had no, I don't know what it was with his parents or what, but I know that he he knew that authority was important. It just wasn't as important to the things that he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I mean that because without Walt Disneyland or Disneyland and Walt Disney World, you know, we we really wouldn't have uh, any place where the whole family can go and experience. Like when you walk into Pandora, you can touch it. It's not a movie screen, you know, but so can grandma and so can grandson. Like they can touch it together. And so that idea that he saw so far ahead gave him the ability to break some rules and take some chances, not go against authority, but so much mm-hmm. as when Roy says we can't do it, Roy says we're going to, Walt says we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> we all need a little bit of that in us. Yep. to just say every Monday to Friday, I do this, but on Saturday, I want to go see what's down this road. Go explore, go discover, go figure things out. Then some of those crazy ideas that you guys have, you know, they won't be so crazy anymore. Like somebody came up with the wheel, right? Yeah. First, there was no wheel. And then we had a wheel. Well, somebody had to say, hey, if we take this square and take all these four triangles off the edges, it might be round. And next thing you know, now we have cars and bikes and airplanes. Where would we be without the wheel? But somebody had that crazy idea yeah. first. So I hate to simplify like that. And you guys are all more intelligent than this, but that's all Walt did. He just saw so far ahead and then said, I have one life. I'm not going to let anything stop me. And when you do that, when you're that kind of a rare person, yeah. I don't need my own dream. I, I don't. This is good enough for me. So I'm going to do whatever I can to help that since he's gone. And then I'm just one person. Now you add 85,000 people, you know, uh, I guess it'd be 170,000 people when you add like Disneyland and Disney World together. All those guest members working for one person's dream. Man, that's special. I don't care who you are. That's great. Stuff, yeah. You know, believing in the philosophy, getting dressed every day and go there. While other people are having fun on their vacation, you're at work handing out tickets or sweeping up popcorn, but you're there every single day because the show must go on. Well, Walt's vision was so powerful that just still today and now, what, 70 years later since Disneyland and 50 years later from Walt Disney World, there's still people doing it. Still, you know, I'm one of them. I wrote a book about it. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing, the hierarchy of how it started with one idea. And now look at it. It's in, what, six countries. It's, It's doing amazing. Yeah. So whenever you're like, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Think about it again now that I said all this stuff that think about, well, it could be this. It could be that. Like, you know, Walt was the kind of person who always said, well, well, what if, you know, Mm -hmm. not what if not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? He's well, let's if it doesn't work this way, let's try to, you know, like I there's an imaginary buddy of mine named Marcus. And he would always say this. If it doesn't work up high, it must work down low. And if it doesn't work on the left, it must work on the right. Like he always had a way to make something fit if you just take your time and do it right. Small, medium, and large is a big part of imagineering. Like there's little things and then there's medium things and there's mm-hmm. big things. But there's a composition that 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 is beautiful to the symmetry of all life. Like you'll look in life, like if you look at a picture and I told you to draw just three things, the sky, some water, and then some sand, you would see what I mean. Like the sand is one section, but there's every little grain of sand and all the details. Is it dry? Is it wet? There's so much to learn just from that. 
then you go to the water and now you have the depth of how far away the horizon is and the foam bubbles of the ocean as it comes in and cascades along that sand and then recesses back and then the sky how far away is tomorrow? Like you can almost see tomorrow if you just look far enough. And then they graduate the color from a dark blue to a light blue. So just in one picture of water, land, and sky, look what you could do. Yep, well, that's exactly. what small, medium, large is in, in composition and, and, and movement in, in, in building things like this. So like a queue that you're going to stand in for two hours. We want you to feel like you've only been there for 15 minutes. Well, how right. do you do that? We occupy your mind. Yeah, we yeah. We get you, we keep you involved. We change the song, we change the sound, we change, you know, your view around every little corner. People say, well, why do they go? There's this much trouble. That's why. If you're there for three hours, you appreciate something new to look at. I mean, your legs might be sore. You got a backpack over your shoulder all day, but you saw something that of all the things you've seen at Pandora, say, let's just pick one or, or, or Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's just switch to that. If you go through that ride in your head, you can picture one little place like the dirty feet underneath the guy sitting on the bridge. You look up, his feet are filthy. That's a little detail I remember. Yeah. But then Jen or Alex or Joe, you might have a different thing. Oh, for me, it was the guy chasing the woman around in the window. Like, you know, there's something. Or the dog with the key in his mouth. See, that's just three I came up with on my own right here and now. Each one of you have your own special thing. So mm-hmm. as an Imagineer, you're just, you're trying to make every square inch a detail of something that people can take with them because you don't know who's going to see what and what they're going to retain. So make everything there for everybody. And when you do that, man, your mind, if you're someone like me and you go in a queue like that, it really is. I'm like, oh no, I want to go back in the queue. There was so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I'll stop talking. I, I promised that would be I, I, I'm the fine. worst, man. Well, but, but you know something like- no, you see- But you know what? It's passion. Yeah, That's exactly. What it is. Exactly. Thank you. So- much passion and that's great to to have to have this much passion over something that you've been a part of for for so long i mean that's just fantastic and and it really just shines like your love for all of this just completely and totally shines through and it's great it's infectious make me cry that's not fair (laughs) that's a really jen thank you that was a really really wonderful synopsis and a sweet Thing to say to me you're like one of my favorites now man Jen. Hey, don't what happened forget. to me, what happened hey, to me? Jen. anyway joe i know i got you joe and you too alex is really coming along here isn't he man come on that's me having fun with you thank you i'm embarrassed and, a little bit but and i can guarantee that all this passion is absolutely real when we're writing this book he's telling these stories and i'm trying to write them down and he'll be going so so strong with this one story and i'll and after i go back and reread it i realize okay we don't need five adjectives to describe this thing. Yeah. You know, I, I need to, because he just, he, yeah, there's not real. just big with me. It's gigantic. It's humongous. It's, you know, it's enormous. Yeah. And they all is... go in the same sentence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the original Main Street USA debuted along with the Disneyland California Park in 1955. It was a classic small town that welcomed guests to Walt's Disneyland. The color palette used is a bit brighter than the color palette used during the early 1900s. This is to help suggest a spirit of optimism. The town square is home to City Hall, the guest relations office. Stores line the road which leads to Sleeping Beauty's Castle, the centerpiece of Disneyland. There's an active barbershop, a small firehouse, a few table service restaurants, shops carrying a wide variety of Disney souvenirs, with Main Street Confectionery selling delicious desserts and treats, and Casey's Corner at the end of Main Street, supplying this American paradise with ballpark hot dogs and fries. It is by design that all the food shops are on the right of the street when you walk in, since people are more likely to stop for breakfast on the way in. The other side of the street, when people are leaving the park, has the shops on their right, making it easier for them to pop in and buy a souvenir. Main Street USA is also home to the railroad system, which can take guests around the park, with stops at Fantasyland and Frontierland. 
The concept for Main Street came from a few inspirations. Walt lived in Marceline, Missouri from 1905 to 1910 as a young boy and wanted to capture the essence of his picturesque hometown. Harper Goff, one of the first Imagineers, worked with Walt on the design of Main Street. Harper used photo references of his hometown, Fort Collins, Colorado, as inspiration for his Main Street design drawings. Walt was also influenced by the Henry Ford Museum and Greenfield Village, which Walt visited twice in the 1940s. Walking down Main Street will easily transport you to the early 1900s, as the shops on either side tower over. Although the buildings look like they are two or even three stories, they are not tall enough to be considered actual two or three story buildings. Disney Imagineers use forced perspective, making the ground floor of the building being built seven-eighths normal size, and the floors above becoming progressively smaller. Main Street USA, with its town square, became the face of Disney, the first and last thing you see when you visit the most magical place on Earth. When Walt decided to start acquiring land in Florida for the designated Florida project, Magic Kingdom was going to be the Disneyland of the East Coast, which meant a replicated Main Street USA. So, you know, when uh, we're reading this, when Alex is reading the history, and he says Disney Imagineers, it's this crazy you're here and you're a Disney Imagineer. Yeah. It's just so awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can't awesome. believe it myself, honestly. It's so it's amazing that to go from being fired at the, as a busboy, I only took the job because I wanted to get my foot in. I figured I'd climb up, but they weren't having it. No. So, but to then to go work on Pandora and be, you know, I do have four years of engineering school and eight years of art school. I probably should say that too. I, I've studied to do this. Right. And I know the vocabulary and I did 500 murals up and down the East Coast. I worked for NFL Films before I worked for Disney. So I, I wasn't just like, hey, I want to go be a Disney animator. No, I, I've been doing, <laughs> you know, I'm that guy that made it overnight because he worked for 50 years to get there and then overnight. Yeah. But the truth is, I really didn't do much but believe like Jen said, it is about passion. I, I'm so glad that you said that because I can't hide it. But the truth is, I don't see it in as many other people as I wish I would. So I always feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing then. Mm -hmm. like if you're not passionate about what you're doing, then you should be doing something else. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm right, but that's just how it feels. So when I see somebody that hates their job, you know, isn't it like, don't you just want to go over and pat them on the back and say, come on, it's going to get better. Like that's yeah. the type of person that I am. So <clears throat> other people, they just walk right by like Alex on his way to the haunted mansion. Doesn't <laughs> mm -hmm. even see exactly that person's. And it's not a slight on you, Alex. Oh yeah. That's 90% of the yeah. human race. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until Walt, like they said about the bright colors for the sense of optimism. Well, it's funny just before I left Walt Disney world to come to Texas to write this book. My very last project was bringing the magic kingdom, both entrances and exits and Epcot, both entrances and exits back to those original trap colors that Walt wanted in the beginning. Oh, really? Oh, wow. They've been changed 13 times over the 50 years. Oh, wow. And, and wow. as I left, it's just only fitting that me, Walt so closely watched because I got my Imagineering helmet on my birthday too, so I never got to tell you that. But So becoming a, a licensed Disney animation artist to becoming an Imagineer all on my birthday, watching Roy, give the, you know, name the park after his brother, and then to paint the entrances and exits the same color that boy that Walt envisioned and never got to see. He was gone before it was started. Mm -hmm. So he picked the colors, though, for because he he was that much of a visionary. So to be able to roll that paint on. Now, it wasn't art. It was barely even work, really. You're just dipping your brush in the roller and kind of rolling it. And here I am, this great executive art director. But I wanted to do it. I wanted to have that moment where you put the, the automotive paint on the little sitting wall. So when the guests come in, they sit down and you know, we call it people varnish. It's what you have on your skin and what your kids have running out of their noses. It gets on our stuff in Disney World. Uh -huh. So we have to clean it every night so that every day when you come in, it looks fresh. But people create 
you know, a little bit of ick as human beings yeah. do. So Disney thinks of this. And so we use paint that's formulated to harden and cure to a nice washable plastic. So we just come along with a hose and it comes right off. It's amazing. So we have, you know, little things like that you have to think about. And I guess that might be fascinating to some of you. It's really just paint talk, but, <laughs> but where we put it now, all the ticket transportation center, the bus barns, every exit and entrance to Magic Kingdom and, and Epcot, me and my team, I didn't do it by myself. I've right. never done anything by myself. Except drawing in the classes, I did have to teach them by myself, but I had the support of my assistant and everything. Like, you watch a Disney movie, look at the credits. It's a lot of people doing stuff. This has yeah. never, ever, ever been about me. I just have the passion, like Jen said, to talk about it and to, to really be inspired by it because it's been my whole life, you know? I've been doing this and loving it my whole life, and you almost have to to do what, what, what I've accomplished, you know? Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I, I was waiting for Alex or somebody else. Oh, okay. I, I don't want to monopolize everything here. Oh, no, we, we, I, we love listening to you talk. I mean, it's just, it's just, you have so many great stories. And, uh, we, well, can we talk about the Haunted Mansion then? If you want to. Well, it's not in Main Street, but man, I just love the ghosts. Can I just tell you guys that? You t- well, I just always wanted to say so that to you t- someone. Are you talking about like the, the, the hatchet ghost? The lady all ghost? Of them. Oh, oh, all 999 <laughs> of them. I love that ride. It's my favorite ride. I always see myself. Now I've seen all the stuff on Main Street. I've painted a lot of it. I've been there. I understand it. So I do run through now because yeah. I can't wait to get to the Haunted Mansion because I want to spend time with the ghost. That ride's been there since the very beginning and mm-hmm. it has changed very little. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still one of my favorites. So like we lose something in Splash Mountain. I don't know that we lose something. That ride is a great ride, but they're not going to lose the essence of the ride. Right. They're exactly. going to change some of the theming. Okay. Well, we have to, like, we don't have the greatest ideas in 1910 and 1920. Some things, the dress code and the respect for each other was wonderful. But we didn't really know how to socially handle a planet with 9 billion people. Now we're learning that everybody matters. It's not just whoever's on your neighborhood or your street or your family. The whole world matters, yeah. matters now. So Disney has to move and grow with that. Exactly. So what they're doing simply is let's move it to something that's a little bit more you know, far reaching than just this narrow thing, but they're going to keep the essence of the ride. So, but the Haunted Mansion hasn't changed. Like very, very, very little. The outside we did some work on, but the inside and the track, yeah, it's just amazing. So I I just, how do you guys think they do that? You see the ghost, how do you think they do it? I'm an Imagineer. I know how it's done. Which one? You're talking, about, you're talking about the one at the very end where it's kind of like, uh, which one are you talking about? Like, where All at right. the very when end? You go over on... the ballroom. Okay. Yeah, the different ghosts in yeah. the ballroom. So let's just take the ballroom, for instance. How do you, as regular non cast member Disney fans, think the Imagineering team from 50 years ago pulled that off? Well, Mirrors, right? Pepper's Ghost. Yeah, Isn't Pepper's that what it's Ghost. Called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It mirrors w- and. Um, and thin screens that you can't see yeah. that have light reflect. I'm not even supposed to tell you. Never mind. Yes, <laughs> mirrors. There's but, your answer. So, so we, uh, I did, we, I do something called like a virtual spotlight where I interview some, uh, you know, people and we kind of talk about their Disney favorites. And I interviewed. There was a magician on the Wonder. I think it was the Wonder on the Disney Wonder, and he was a yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. On the on the ship, he was a magician. His name's Sean Forquar, and he's the Magic Champion of the world. He's won like three Magic Champion um, tournaments or something like that. So you're not going to pull the wool over that guy's eyes? No, but but he did, but he told me that he loves these rides because there's so much magic in them, right? Just they like are, the like, just like the one you're talking about with the uh, Haunted Mansion. Like that's one of his favorite rides because there's so much magic 
in an illusion in that ride. So that's, that's one of the reasons there is. why he loves It's it like they up. got all the best magicians in the world to come up with these ideas. Exactly. Because what's really going on is above your head. Yeah. That's the trick. Especially you as a kid. You think it's down there, but it's not. It's above your head. And all you're looking at is a reflection of it. Yeah. So everything, the writing would have to be backwards. You know, there's a lot to think about. And this is 50 years ago they did this. It's unbelievable. So can you imagine the theater of Pandora when you're riding that banshee going out for Flight of Passage? Can you imagine what takes place there? Well, I'm going to let you know a little imaginary secret. If you get on that ride, if you get on the banshee and you, you know, you have the, the goggles on and your spine is fused with your avatar. Yeah. There's one secret I want to tell you. There's 12 movie screens for each eye. That's how big your theater is that you're in. Oh, you're wow. floating in something that is so big you don't even know it. It huh. is by one foot the biggest collection of movie screens in the world. But you get twelve. There's twelve movie screens, twelve cameras, separate cameras for your left eye, and twelve for your right eye. So when they seamlessly merge these twenty-four camera views of something, mm -hmm. and you have those glasses on. Now you're completely within the world. And you and feel they like couldn't it. do that 50 years ago. No, no, they couldn't. Darn if they didn't figure out how to do it now. But you know, it's really cool that you're talking about. Like 50 years ago, like the Haunted Mansion and the stuff that they're using in the Haunted Mansion, it's still amazing today. And to hold up for that long and be like, oh. wow, look at how cool that is, right? It's unbelievable. I, I don't want to switch parks on you, but at, at Universal, there's uh Hagrid's motorbike adventure. And in that ride, in that attraction, there's there's the story scene where they kind of tell you what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. you walk your way through the queue, but then you got to find out what the story is. You know, there's a story to it. The same technology that they use in the in the Haunted Mansion, they're using in Hagrid's, and we just won Roller Coaster of the Year for 2019. For That's that. unbelievable. That's fantastic. So, but that, but the technology was so sound back then that they still use it today. Just to, I just wanted to bring home your point with that. It's crazy. <laughs> is this crazy? I think about it. And it's crazy that the tech that is this the tech that they were using 50 years ago today that they're still using and it's still really good. That's how good it was. Like that, yeah. those Imagineers. Yeah, yeah like those guys really, really thought about it and thought, okay, let's try. It. And you know how many hours you got to try something to get it to work? Mm -hmm. Like just for instance, every ride that you go on that you feel like, oh, this is, is it safe? Well, yes, it is. It's, it had to be tested a hundred thousand times before one person could ride on it. So that means it had to go around the track and day and night, 24 hours till they meet their count and with no flaws. So you can't have this, you know, you could have like a, it might have come in one second too soon, but that sets off the next track all wrong. Mm -hmm. So everything down to the second has to be timed and worked. And then by the law, that's the state. That's that's Florida State. That's not Disney. And Disney, you may say, well, they you know they control this, they control that. No, they're, they're still in a theme park for people to come to. They have to come in with their family and leave with their family. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. What happens between the time you enter and the time you leave? Well, that's my job. But Getting you in and getting you out is really job one at Disney World and Universal for that matter. Never really so thought about I, that, but that's I true. see them run the, you know, when you're back behind the scenes and you guys haven't seen, you know, this ride or that ride, I've already watched it run a hundred thousand times. So it could pass all its standards. And but Disney's so safe with everything, like mm -hmm. everything they do. If something happens to somebody on Disney property, it is very, very, very rarely going to be Walt Disney World's fault. They've mm -hmm. I've sat there and watched. People have gotten fired over over arguments over safety, you know, in different uh, situations where not fired so much as just separated from each other because you know this has to be or that has to be. Like they just take it that serious that there's no messing around when it comes to safety in Walt mm. Disney World. It should it be. It is yeah. job one, you know. Yep. Magic is actually job two. Safety is job one, and that's the truth. I'm not saying. Look, mm -hmm. I don't work for Walt Disney World. They're not paying me. I, you know, I'm just telling you the truth. I've seen backstage what it takes and I've seen what we pull off. And I'm telling you what they go through every redundancy. They have to 
not because they have to, but because they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. You have to give them credit. Like you might pay a little bit more for your ticket price, but you're home, like you're safe there. You know, you're going to sleep at night and not be attacked. You're going to go on a ride. It's not going to fall apart. You know, you're going to have the time of your life, hopefully. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's 85,000 people working for that cause. So I just hope it works. Uh, like I said, I met Timmy in 2007 at the Animation Academy. And um, I was so impressed that my daughter and I, we wrote a letter and apparently it went all the way to the top, got a lot of attention. And he remembered me. It was an amazing letter. And I said, you know, I have a book in my mind. And if I ever needed a writer, would you be interested? And she said, <laughs> funny me, yeah. thing, I'm already like, yeah, she's already won awards for writing. And I didn't know any of that, but her letter was so amazing. So we got to talking and I realized what his stories were so great. And I said, you just got to write a book. And he said, well, if I ever find the right, you know, the right writer to do it. And he said, well, I remember your letter. You want you want to do it? And I said, oh, I sure do. And so we started, uh, he started telling the stories. I started transcribing and writing them up. And um, it's taken us two years. And some of the stories you've heard him tell today are in this book. The feedback that we're getting back is amazing. And the reviews that we're getting back, like, I, I you know, I wanted a certain level of quality. But I didn't know that that she was also like this perfectionist. So between the two of us, we fought a lot. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> we did. <laughs> but when we came to that middle place, it was always right. So there's, it's only eight pages a chapter. It'll last you two months. Eight. Read one chapter a night. That's what I'm saying. It's about eight pages. And oh. Timmy's illustrated every chapter. There's 50 pictures in here. They're For the all 50 year anniversary oh, cool. of the 50 yeah. year anniversary. And each chapter is, is it's kind of almost a standalone. You can, I, I try to tell a story for each chapter and it's just, um, it's fascinating. His stories are amazing. He's the most wonderful storyteller right now. It's only available on Amazon. And, um, but if your listeners would like to um, get their copy from Amazon, then if they will go to our website, which is timmybritt.art and in the contact me form, there is a special place where it says code um, DH for Diz His. And if they click that and send us their contact information, we will send them an autographed yeah, book. Yeah, I'll plate. sign something and a we can make it put in their book. book yeah. There's a special place on the title page that's just the right size for this thing. Put the self-adhesive book plate in there and they'll have an autographed book from Timmy Brett. Each one of you are different. I promise you there's a chapter in my book. For you, Joe and Dane, there's a chapter for you. Alex, there's a chapter just for you, man. I promise you. <laughs> and Jen, there's a chapter just for you. One of the chapters will, because my life had changed through so much that I was a different person in a lot of different things. And I started to realize, wow, this could help someone dealing with this. This could help someone dealing with that. So there's a chapter in there for everybody. I mean, it's, that. it's I just a want you magical know that. story. Yeah, is, just, every chapter is magical in its own way. But there's one chapter just for you, Jen, and there's one chapter just for you, Alex. <laughs> well, I can, know. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, our Patreon members in our chat, you know, have been saying that they are going to go ahead and purchase the book. And yeah, uh, I, I can tell you, I'm going to go ahead and purchase it. And oh. we're going to be doing a giveaway here in a couple of weeks for, uh, for your book for our Patreon members also. Well, yes, just let so. us know. We'll hook you up with one. Awesome. And you yeah. Give that away. I, you know, I, okay. Thank I, you. you know, I want I to do be able to contribute yeah, to awesome. the show. And Timmy, what's the name of the book again? Just for all of our listeners out there that are. So are to I'm just a regular guy, just like you guys are. Honestly, I was born with some gifts and I can draw and all that stuff. But I'm just a regular guy. If like God didn't listen and what wasn't watching, this would have never happened for me. But it did. And so the book is called Extra. And that's just one word extra, ordinary, everyday magic. Very so good. I'm just, I'm the ordinary everyday, the extra and the magic that's God and Walt. And it's just how between the two of them, I seem to pull off the most amazing career. Yeah, I really had, I really got very lucky, but thank you for your interest. I did, extraordinary I didn't everyday magic. Yeah, I didn't believe him at first. Yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, thank your listeners for me. Like I, oh, if your yeah. listeners are out there, thank you so much for listening, for participating in this great show. I couldn't find you. 
And now I don't know how I've ever lived without you. So this is a great show, <laughs> awesome. man. Keep it up. Hey, so you just listened to part one of our episode with Timmy Britt, Imagineer Timmy Britt. Next week, we're going to go ahead and play uh, part two. So make sure you listen to that next week. That's the His on Main Street USA at the Magic Kingdom. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. I'm Jen. Thanks for listening and have a magical week. Please follow us on all social media by searching DizHiz65. Share us and subscribe to our podcast to get the latest show when it is available. If you want to help us out, get tips, get your memories shared on the podcast, see pictures and videos of what we are up to at the parks, join our goof troop on Patreon.com and search for DizHiz.